Episode 10. What's in the box, Elder? Welcome to episode number 10 of the Adventures in Lolly Gagging Podcast. I'm your Game Master Jeff. This is a podcast that's using the Zweihander RPG system. And uh, yeah, we got like six players around the table, none of whom are important enough to merit an introduction. Uh, but what is important to merit an introduction, <laughs> it's so rude, is, the, uh, is we've got a new prop in the, uh, in the studio. I use the term loosely. Uh, I don't think Josh has noticed it yet. But Josh, if you look over to your right, you can see that there's this bulletin board over there with an index card that has been has been attached to it. Oh, I don't a think clue. attached. Yeah, it's a clue. So I remember you talking about that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's time How did that get there? Oh, God, you're ridiculous. <laughs> you're ridiculous. So uh, for those who haven't read fully through uh, the Mongoche book, which honestly you all don't really have to, uh, which is the supplement. We only have the PDF version of it yet. We're going to be getting the hardcover soon, hopefully. But there is an entire chapter that's dedicated to running a conspiracy, and that's honestly part of what we're doing. So we have a very sandboxy campaign after the first nine episodes where it was basically you were getting somewhere. But now that you're somewhere, it is very sandbox. You can do whatever the hell you want, really. Uh, but there's also a bit of a mystery that you have to solve, right? It's like, what happened to Gabriel Zeiger? Like, where, who is he? What happened to him? Et cetera, et cetera. And so we're going to be attempting to use the conspiracy rules that are in... And so the way they work is for every three clues that you all acquire, you get a lead. For every three leads, you get a revelation. Every revelation is usually tied roughly to your advancement in tiers. By the end of basic tier, you should have hopefully earned one revelation by then. By end of intermediate tier, you should have earned a second revelation. And by the end of advanced tier, you should be, be have all revelations and everything's kind of coming down the pike, right? So clues are material pieces of information things that you can trust are in fact true you don't necessarily know the context of them or you don't necessarily know the context in the broader scheme of the conspiracy but it's basically a piece of information that you that you know right it's not hearsay it's not a hint uh it's not just something you heard from some guy somewhere but it's something material and so you all have acquired one already uh, and that is cash of guns so uh, while you were in edgar key bear uh, went and fetched Alaric Kinsman to uh, provide medical aid to Bruno's new girlfriend, uh, Cressida. And in doing so, he noticed a, a cache of guns. Now, what this actually has to do with the overall conspiracy in the campaign, you don't know. And whether or not this particular thing has anything to do with Gabriel Zager, you don't know. It might not have anything to do with it at all. But in some way, it's something material to the story that we're trying to tell as part of our campaign. So speaking of story, uh, do you all remember what happened last time? Yeah, we this is where we start at the all. end, right? <laughs> we, With the yeah. cultists. That's all we need to explain. Cultists? They're cultists? Or I mean, I don't know for sure that torches. they're cultists. Making assumptions. You can make so many assumptions. It's just Look, ridiculous. Look, that doctor People is totally ropes. bad. The torches. That, that plague doctor's got a plague doctor mask on. He must be bad because <laughs> he's wearing his uniform. Uh, and then the torches, exactly. So you all finally arrived at your destination. Mm -hmm. uh, you, uh, you left uh, roughly a week to 10 days ago from the port town of Weishaven. You made it to Edgar Key. You took a, a ferry from Edgar Key over to Verdum, which is a 
which is a small town that's set up in this large territory called Bachman's Ruin, uh, which is primarily, or at least for a while now, has been treated like a, a penal colony where a lot of exiles have been sent to do various, various, into various labor camps, work off debts, those type of things. Some of those people stay after their, their debts have been paid because they don't really have any attachments back in, in the kingdom. And so they've, they've made a life here and others, uh, some people like those, the Stuber family that you met while, uh, while on the ferry come here for different reasons. Uh, and so they were pilgrims to the, to the God, the sun bearer goddess, and, uh, they're coming here to bring light to a darkened land. So you all finally arrived at this location and it's a location that, you know, uh, Gabriel Zeiger and his sister, Madeline, uh, were sent to a, a few years ago, right? And you're trying to figure out exactly what happened to Gabriel. And so we have kind of an interesting, we're at an interesting position within the, the actual campaign now, because up until this point, it's been pretty much a journey, a road trip. You're getting from point A to point B. Well, we're at point B. And so now we're shifting gears and trying to figure out well, what happened to him? What else do we have to figure out? And you, over the course of the travel, have met some interesting people. Some seeds have been planted. Some interest, uh, interesting notes have been taken. Uh, so in the last episode, you arrived. You had to go through a medical check. Mm-hmm. While going through that medical check, two kindly old folks who uh, who helped with Sophia's post-siren attack uh, were taken to a place called the Ailing Isle by a man that was just doing his job, but apparently <laughs> because he's got a mask on, I guess no one can wear a mask. Um, I think it's more the Ailing he, Isles. Yeah, it's called the Ailing Isles, where, yeah. where people who are ailing go. Yeah. yeah. But Chip, never what does he have to it's hide like, behind the mask? Uh, What's on his face? I don't know. The, he's a cryptid. Oh, gosh. Per- okay. Perhaps like his henchmen with like bags over their head is a little disconcerting. Maybe they no. just it's have just like the class. really bad eczema or something. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> just sanitary. Come on. Right. Um, okay. So anything from last episode stands out to you that you recall immediately that's important? I mean, I have notes, but you sure. know, we can let everybody know. I don't have my notes. <laughs> there's you know, there's you know, the guy you know, eating you know. the carrot. <laughs> yes, yeah, so there's a man eating a carrot. Yep. Yeah, that's true. Remember. He runs the, the like place where everybody goes to gamble. Do you know his or, name? <laughs> Ashley asked because she knows. I have the answer ready, for one. Just in case. Uh, I honestly don't remember the name off the top of my head. Markoff Babbler. Markoff Babbler. And do you do you recall what the business establishment? The box elder. The box elder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what other interesting notes did you all recall from last episode? Um, I asked the guards about Ivo, and mm. apparently he had caught the Gray Plague yeah, and true. got sent back to the Ailing Isles. That's true, and he has never come back. He hasn't returned. It's been weeks. And so people assume... He's dead. Exactly. If you're okay. outside the city when the walls close, you cannot come in. Yeah, there yeah, is so a curfew. Some rules. There's yeah. some intense rules. So there's a chief administrator of this entire place called Detlev Polk, and one of his, uh, one of his retinue gave a list of rules, and amongst those rules was... Uh, kind of a curfew, so to speak. Uh, you, they close their gates at sunset. They don't reopen them again until the sun comes back up the next day. So if you're caught outside the gates of Verdum for whatever reason, you're on your own. Um, you're welcome to come in and out at any other time. That seems to be fine, but that's it. And if you try to break in, that's not good. You'll, you're going to get punished in some fashion. So uh, what other things do we remember? We did learn that there is a break in the fence by the lake. 
Yeah, there's a there's like the the actual gate itself uh, goes up to the to the the lake, which uh, presents an interesting issue. But at the same time, it's a d- decently large lake. So. Yeah. Okay. What else? We met a gentleman called Loudon Hertz. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, he uh, it was a he actually gave you shelter for the night, right? Yes. Yeah. So he seems to be running some kind of halfway house for folks who just got through with whatever kind of debt that they were paying and have decided to stay and until they get on their feet they they seem to stay at that dormitory something like something around uh, on those lines okay so and as the episode closed uh everyone fell asleep with the exception of zofia mm-hmm. and what was keeping zofia up zofia doesn't remember so well that's just fucking great <laughs> i'll never know I ran out of paper to write on, and so... There's just a bunch of perfectly good people outside having a good time. Yeah. yeah. some torches. She just witnessed, okay, yeah. yeah. Like a torch leave the dormitory a dormitory yes, that we were at and, like, went to the city. Something else, too? Was she, like, hearing, like, a song or she something? She was hearing, like, some sort of humming, humming like, insects were just kind of going crazy mm-hmm. or something outside. And then she she saw some people with torches on the street. And then suddenly they all went out. Sure, sure. Okay, so we're going to pick up in the morning with everybody, with the exception of Sophia, having gotten a very good night's sleep, move their peril track back up to uh, unhindered. Uh, you you can only go up to imperiled, Sophia. And I think, too, if you are still injured or one of you is still injured, who's still injured? Sophia is still injured. Okay. All right. So let's think about, so as we start on this session, I think... Let's think about what your goals are and where your interests are. Like, what are you thinking of doing? Where are you looking to go? What strings are you looking to pull on? That kind of thing. So morning comes. We'll say at a certain point you all meet up with each other downstairs uh, in the there's a dormitory area that you're in. People seem to be coming and going, going about their business. Some of them seem to be going off and doing work. Others seem to be in the back in their little garden yard. They have their own small... Uh, kind of some sort of herb garden, basic vegetable garden, tending to some goats and stuff in the back. Uh, people, who, other people that you've seen, you don't know them. You just passed by them uh, in the hall or in the dormitory here and there. But you all meet up with each other and you have a moment at this point to talk to each other and to really start to figure out, well, what now? Because the obvious of get to Verdum is now gone. And so now you guys have to figure out, well, what's the next step? So the floor is yours. So are are we heading to the Abbey? I feel like that's the most important thing uh, at the moment. Yeah, we do know mandolins out there. That's outside the walls, right? Yeah. Yeah. Abbey. A couple. No, that's that's two hours. Yeah, it's, uh, you can get there in a day. You can get there, you can get there shorter than a day. It's a couple hours to the west. And then on our way across town, we'll pass uh, probably Doc Quelly's office. And then we can swing by and get Sophia some healing. I would definitely appreciate that. Yeah. And I'd also say you, you don't really look too great. You've got, like, bags underneath your eyes because you didn't really get a good night's sleep as well. So imagine Sophia might be, like, needing coffee or something this morning. So what? So so the Abbey is on your list. What are other things that you're considering? I want to check out the Ailing Isles. I don't know if we can just get there, Yeah, though. you can't just go there, right? Yeah, if you well, go there, you can't leave because you've been contaminated. True, but um, like didn't he offer uh, Bear a job? So we could maybe see about checking something out on that end. Yeah, it could be a good little side income there. Yeah. 
I'm sure they got money. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, Barrel, speak up uh, about the crates with the guns. Pretty worried about those because they, I know you guys didn't see them, but they were like military grade, like top stuff. And the only person here with that kind of money, I'd imagine, is like Markov. And he doesn't like the government here very much, it seems. So it might be leading to something, uh, a little revolt or something. Yeah, Nothing wow. good's coming out of those guns. They they definitely looked as though they were recently made. They didn't look like they were used. Right? Yeah. So they, they looked like they were they were recently crafted, right? Yeah, and there's like no reason for that kind of weaponry to be all the way up here, like the edge of the world. Especially when they're sneaking it up there too, yeah. So I don't know if we should bring it up to anyone or... Or what? We don't know who to really trust around here yeah, yet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'd be really careful about that. We need to find someone who we can trust uh, first. Before so regarding anything. that, I think we could talk to Markov kind of loosely, kind of feel him out a little bit before we actually bring up, like, hey, we found guns. Yeah, he did bring something up when he was talking to us. He, What did he say exactly? Like, we weren't... He wanted to see if we were... Uh, fun. Fun. Yeah. Not, something like that. Not wanting to follow the status quo and break the rules and have a fun time kind of thing. Mm. He's like my main suspect for buying those because he has a lot of money to throw around. I mean, he does run where everybody goes and gamble, so I'm sure he has a ton of money. Yeah, so I want to keep that in mind. Try to keep an eye on those crates if, if they're still on that boat. We don't know. You do know that the ferry tends to stay for a day or two and then they go back. They don't yeah. like immediately turn around because you know travel in the water is a little bit tiring, and so and you never know if there's stuff that the, the ferry back. So it's possible that the boat could still be here. Yeah, and we fought a siren, so I'm sure they need to chill yeah. out a little bit. So maybe we can find a way to get on the boat on the way to the abbey. Is that on the way, or it's like opposite direction? No, the the ferry's just gonna go straight south. So the abbey. So remember that Verdum is kind of like a V. If you think about a V. And so at the very point, the bottom point of the V is where the town is. And then if you follow the, the, like the northwestern coast, will eventually take you to the, to the, to the abbey, mm-hmm. um, which is, for all intents and purposes, is just a large plot of land that is owned by a group of Sunbearer worshippers, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And then to the northeast, you have heard that there is some sort of prison com- compound over there um, where they keep those who haven't yet been recirculated back into the town and some like violent offenders and things like that. But the ferry is just going straight back. It's going pretty much straight south. So back in the, so it's, it's not really on the way. So there is a chance that if we went to the Abbey, that by the time we came back from the Abbey, that the ferry might've left. Yeah. It depends on how long you would stay on the Abbey. Um, I mean, the Abbey, you could do a day, you know, a day run, but you wouldn't be able to be there for very long. And then you risk not getting back in time before the gates close. Uh, so, and again, it depends on how long they're going to stay. So, And remember that Marie, who was the one who was running the ferry that you all were on, had just returned from doing another trip and then was put on this new one or she volunteered for the new one. So she's kind of on a back-to-back at this point. So it's a question of how, how much longer she wants to be here. Did anyone leave anything, quote-unquote, on the boat that we could make a quick run down there and just... Yeah, Bird, have you been in the shed? Oh, yeah, my, my thing. <laughs> my my boot. Yeah. You're so forgetful, always forgetting stuff. Still haven't remembered what I left there. <laughs> <laughs> Must not have been that important if you, if you can't That's remember not. it. Okay, so 
if you, I mean, part of, so if you, if you hang around for a bit inside the dormitories, uh, you see people coming and going, most of whom don't really pay attention to you at all. They, you know, some of them look at you and curt nods, not impolite, but not polite, just matter of fact. Um, you do see the door to Loudon's office is open, so he's clearly he's clearly awake. But other than that, like the the morning is yours. Is it common for people to be like um, carting around? Like, can we bring our horse and cart around that town, or do we just leave it? Uh, like, that's parked that's entirely up to you. You can pay for stable services. You can pull from the funds that that Zyger gave you, um, which I believe Chovy is keeping track of now. Yeah, we have this whole chest of silver that throwing around so yeah i mean we didn't we haven't really talked about this we've been doing a lot of this off off yeah. air but like that you were given some funds for this kind of stuff but like you you have to keep your receipts so to speak gotcha okay um all right so you can you can inquire about leaving the horse and cart that's that's fine you uh i believe you spoke with loudon and there was a there was a yard in the back where he yeah. said it can yeah. it can be left with um, some crazy goat yeah there's a there yeah there are goats back there it's not uncommon to see you know, various farm animals, smaller ones. So We're going you, to take it with us when we go to the Abbey anyways. But yeah, we can leave it for a little bit. But you have to think about, you have that chest. Uh, up until this point, someone has always been near the cart, and that's where you've been keeping this this money. So you were, you were given some money for funding for your job. You've been giving a couple other little odds and ends. What do you do with that? Do you leave it in the dorm? Do you find, you know, so like you have to start thinking about that as well. Um I don't know what your inventories are. If any of you have like backpacks or things like that to help with encumbrance, you can always, if you have that, you can always think about emptying some of that out and put it into your backpacks. So again, those are things that you can figure out. We don't have to really deal with uh, inventory management uh, on air. Sophia wants to walk by Loudon's office. Okay. Not to engage him in conversation, but she wants to just kind of take a look at him and his build and compare that to the memory of the figure that she saw leaving the building the night before, just to see, like, what's the figure that left the building? Okay. Short, tall. Okay. Do you care about whether or not he sees you doing this? Yes. You do? Sophia okay. will attempt to. Okay. So just, so you want, you, want to, you want to scrutinize him without him knowing that you're scrutinizing him? Is that what I'm, am I understanding that correctly? That would, trying be, to, that would be accurate, yes. Shall we say stealthily scrutinize him? <laughs> yes. Okay, so go ahead and roll a stealth check uh, and just roll it standard because it'll be a secret test. You're just like standing there reading a newspaper. Like, peel up the sunglasses. Take a peek <laughs> in. She's, she's like pushing the house plant like to the side <laughs> and her head's coming through it. Yeah, She's got like binoculars and she's like five feet away <laughs> yeah. from him. Okay. Oh. You said that was standard? It's standard. So you just tell me whether... Failed. Okay. Well, also tell me the number. And with a secret test, I need to know the number because you don't actually know the real difficulty. I needed a 42 and I got a 49. Okay. Uh, and so then go ahead and roll a scrutinized test. Uh, I'm going to make this hard because last night, comparing what you saw last night when you were a little bit out of out of sorts and it was dark and all sure. sorts of things to this, so it'll be hard. So go ahead. It's less, it's less about seeing him and more about trying to recollect what you saw last night because you're trying to almost like... Almost like you're retconning what you remember the night before, sort of in a way. Fail. Okay. Um, so taking a look at him, uh, it's hard to really, it's hard to really compare because the figure you saw was robed. Uh, it was also very dark, and it wasn't. 
it wasn't a figure that was overly large or overly small. So it was just sort of a middle of the road, kind of average height, average build. Sure. And he would fit into average height and average build, but so would almost everybody, right? So in that regard, yes, but I would say you probably don't feel like you've concluded anything from that from that little bit of scrutiny. Okay. What's what's next? All right, we've got a long day ahead of us, but our last option would be the Abbey. We yeah, check out. I'm staying there for the night. Yeah, we, we're not going to make it back by the end of the day, so we can talk to Markov, check out the shipments or his casino, something like that. Do we know how long it takes to get to the Abbey? I forgot. A couple hours. Okay. Yeah. So we can leave like midday probably, mm-hmm. a little after midday. If you leave midday, the, you won't be able to get back in time for night. Oh, but yeah, if you yeah. leave in the morning, it's possible you could get back at night if you if you weren't there very long. So just if you're planning to stay outside the walls, then yeah, leaving by midday, you should still be able to get there before sundown. Easy. Have we heard any information about the Abbey that would tell us whether or not we could spend the night there or if they would expect us to be traveling not back? Not as no. of yet, no. Okay. As at the same time... As long as you should be good to go. Right. <laughs> and it's, it is a, you know, it's a, it's completely reputable, so kind of not the right word, but it's an approved of, accepted, wide, it's a very common, common uh, deity that is worshipped within the Rhine. There are a couple that are more worshipped than others, and, and Sunbearer is one of the more popular ones, so... Um, and they, most followers tend to be decent folk. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I heard I heard you wanted to talk to you wanted to head to the box elder to yep. speak with Markov, and then I think you said you wanted to go see Doc Quelly to get some. Yes. Okay, so is, is are we splitting the party? Are we doing this in two groups? Are we should we... probably split. I feel like it would be weird going. Okay, you know, six people to each people, each person. Okay, so who, unless you guys have a different opinion, who do you who's going to see Quelly? Zofia. Okay, obviously. Who's who's going with her? I'll go with her. Okay. Yeah, I can go. Make okay. it three. Alright. Yeah, she wanted to say something to Erwin, right? She like a little right. side thing. Um, Maybe. I don't Something think like she wanted to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Erwin got the impression yeah. that she might say more though. Yeah. Alone. Yeah. Uh yeah, that was Erwin's conclusion. Okay, so we'll do Doc Quelly first then. So um you all didn't get a you haven't done like a full tour or anything like that. Uh, but you did pass the box elder. You did learn from Doc Quelly that she has an office near the box elder, which is a relative center of town. Um, and so it probably isn't too difficult for you all to head back in the direction you came, see the large box elder building. And then those of you who wanted to split off and go see the doctor, you could probably just start moving down the street a little bit until you see the universal symbol of kind of a medic, right? The idea of scratched onto her door. Um, when you knock on the door, it's it's early morning, but not terribly early, right? Um, so it's not quite mid-morning, I would say. You, you're greeted at the door by a, a child, uh, probably about four feet tall or so, human, uh, kind of light skin, uh, freckly face, and it's a, it's a boy with kind of reddish hair. Is Doc Quelly available? Uh, my friend here he, needs some assistance. And he, and, he, and he turns around and he just yells really loudly and I won't do it. Like, Mom! And uh, you see, coming up behind him is, uh, is curly-haired Doc Quilly. She's got, a, she's got an apron on. Uh, got some smudges on it here and there. Not sure what it is. Uh, her hands are kind of dirty. But she, she waves you in uh, at that point. And uh, 
when you when you come into to the the building you can see that it's kind of split into two like off to the right you can see separated by a cloth partition like just a sheet hanging down from the wall and the cloth has been pulled back you see what looks to be a kitchen and kind of an apartment with two small uh two small beds that are crammed into a corner it's fairly small and then to the left you see what looks to be a makeshift um kind of trauma ward or kind of medical sick bay uh, and you see what looks to be, again, a couple really crude uh, cots that have been built. And you recognize an individual laying in one of them uh, as being Cressida, uh, except you see that the leg that she had injured is, at this point, missing from below the knee. Uh, and she's got this massive wad of bandage around it. Um, you can see in the corner there's a pile of definitely blood-stained sheets and towels and, and whatnot, and Grisita does not seem to be fully fully conscious. You see her head moving from time to time at the sound of noise and the kid yelling. She kind of looks up very drearily, looks in your direction, and then her head just sort of flops back down at that point. Uh, but as, you, as you're ushered in by the doctor, she's, you know, can, can I help you? My friend here, Zofia, uh, she was hurt on the boat on the way here by when we were attacked by Siren. Uh, is there any chance you could possibly help her out? You guys just love dropping the Siren thing, like all sorts. What's um, a Siren? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's, okay. uh, so she pulls you into the same room that uh, Christina is. There's, these aren't, there's not like private rooms and stuff. She sits you down. Uh, she, she asks, what's wrong? You know, I generally point to my hip area okay that day so she lifts up she lifts up looking at the shirt looks down and sees this kind of claw mark this bruising that's surrounding it um and she will go ahead and uh she'll go ahead and make her her health her heal test really quick to see if she can all right you're just looking for a heal you're not looking for like drugs or laudanum or anything correct, correct. okay all right ain't and got she, money for that yeah and so she passed so you can go ahead so we'll say it takes her it takes her doesn't take her that long, so probably about a half an hour or so between talking to you and kind of exploring what might be wrong with it, um, making sure it's clean, all those types of generic stuff. Uh, but after about a half an hour, an hour, you you know she's 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 basically done. You can go ahead and move back up uh, one step on the damage condition track. She passed, but no no, no critical pass. Thank you, doctor. Okay, and while that was happening, were the those of you that had gone with uh, Zofia doing it? Uh, I would just sit there while she's doing that and try and. After she's done, I'd talk to her. I wouldn't want to interrupt because I'm sure it's pretty complicated. And it's not too bad. I mean, she's not performing surgery. It's really just sort of bandaging and cleaning and kind of like I, cutting away dead skin that's not going to resuture, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's not the most complicated thing in the world. Would you be all right if I uh, ask you a couple questions? She nods. Um, the Ailing Isle, uh, has anyone like ever come back from that? She thinks about it for a second, and she says, I'm sure at some point someone has. Um, the doctor comes every few weeks whenever we know we have got new folks coming. Um, he's always sure to be here. And uh, But don't worry, you you were cleared. Um, are, you, are you feeling ill? No, I'm just concerned about the people that helped save her when she was on the boat and attacked. Um, the elderly couple. I'm uh, sorry for for this, of course, but if uh, if Doctor Ingman 
felt that they were a danger to the colony, then uh, we have to abide by his decision. Um, I realize you're new here, but we have lost more than a fair share of people from the quick spreading of plagues and poxes that it's very difficult to deal with in such an isolated uh, area such as this. Um, we can't freely move to a different town or it's difficult to, to isolate and so we set up the island off to the west and um, whenever whenever such concerns, whenever we, we fear something could be brewing uh, we make sure to, to isolate those and at this point Dr. Ingman's bracket is quite quite sterling in fact um, he's perhaps a bit conservative with some of his diagnoses sometimes, but he is far more qualified than I am to make some of these decisions. I would say put it out of your mind, uh, but if you if you or any in your party are suffering some sort of effects that I should know about, please tell me and don't be afraid. Just, just because you're your stomach may be upset or you find yourself not sleeping well. There could be all sorts of other reasons that it might be besides some pox in need of need of quarantine. I will do the best that I can to put it out of my mind. I'm not really used to that kind of thing being uh, such a... Are you used to being on the frontier? No. And there's a lot of things you are going to need to get used to and used to quite quickly, or you best find passage back southward. She doesn't say this rudely, it's just more matter-of-factly. Like, you definitely get the sense that she has decent, like, decent bedside manner, but she's really just telling you it, telling you it straight at this point. Like, you, these are things, this is what happens here, and you're just going to have to deal with it. All right. Emily pops up, and she's like, how would we get into contact with, um... Dr. Ingman. I can get a message to him if necessary. He contacted uh, one of our friends about possibly um, possible work, and, but he didn't uh, give him any way of like contacting him. She makes a strange face like, work. Um, do you have a, a healer amongst you? Or? We don't, but he was, he's very tall and, and quite frankly pretty decently strong well I can't for the life of me think about perhaps he just needs someone to keep the an orderly or two perhaps to keep some of his patients in order I I would would caution your friend from accepting such a invitation unless they've had some sort of familiarity with with sick people Mm -hmm. if it, it can be difficult to stomach watching the Great Plague or the Filth Fever overtake overtake people. Um, some recover, some do not, and it can can tax the soul. Gotcha. Sophia's going to pipe up and ask her if there are any activities that happen in town after hours. It seemed like there were some pretty strict rules about not going outside of the wall after hours, and there were some hard labor consequences for some of those things, but are there... That's only if you try to leave or come after, come inside after the gates have been closed. 
Um, there's no specific curfew for being on the streets or anything like that. I know the box elder is open, I think, 20, 20 hours of a day, or maybe even 24, I don't know. Um, but in terms of events, we have an occasional celebration when the holidays roll around, of course. And once a month, we have administers visitation uh, for airing of grievances um, but well, nothing particular comes to mind last night I first night in a new area I had a hard time sleeping and thought I saw some gathering of folks in robes and torches or something but it's uh, quite cool it's autumn nearing winter so makes sense for people to have coats and it's very dark at night we don't usually light the the street the street lamps for fear of fire but uh, I wouldn't think too much of it but I understand it's it's a new night you're eager and anxious she doesn't seem too concerned can Sophia do some sort of test to see if she seemed like she was yeah, concerned at all in her answer. Yeah, good. It's real standard scrutinize this. Pass. Uh, you don't... I mean, looking at her body language, she's patching you up at this point, so it might be a little bit mixed with it, but you don't... I mean, she doesn't... She has a steady hand. She doesn't seem to stutter. Yeah, she doesn't... Her eyes don't get shifty all of a sudden. She... So, no, she seems pretty... She seems fine in her response. Okay. I'm not uh, very educated in the manner of doctors. Uh, is there a reason that he, Dr. Eggman, wears that like full body suit and you don't? Well, I'm just a barber surgeon. Um, I don't have nearly the training that Dr. Eggman has. Doctor for me is more of a colloquial title than anything of real significance um, but my understanding is that it's not uncommon when plague runs through the streets for doctors like himself to want to protect themselves from foul smells and, and whatnot. If, if I believe at the end of the beak he crumples some various pieces of petals of flowers to, to help with the scent. Uh, perhaps he's just used to it, I think. He's not a very attractive man beneath the mask, so it's probably better for us all that he keeps it on. She smiles at that as if she made a joke. Do you need uh, anything help-wise? You've been very kind to us so far. I'm just doing my job, and there will be a bill for this. Don't misunderstand. Oh. This, this is not... This is a service, just like building a table or buying some eggs. Everyone, either you pay in silver or you pay in favor, and I frankly don't need any favors currently. All right. How's Cressida healing up? I see that you had to amputate part of her leg. Uh, thank your uh, friendly wardens for not realizing that a woman in that condition probably shouldn't be traveling as much, but um, she seems to be quite 
resistance to pain. So, very easy to perform the amputation. Gotcha. Most of the time, people are flailing about and screaming for various types of drugs and painkillers, laudanum, whatnot. Mm -hmm. But she was very, very steadfast. Strangely stared me in the eye for a very uncomfortably long time. Eventually she did, she did succumb, perhaps to tiredness or exhaustion, but I think she'll make a decent recovery, but... Has she started to sing to you at all? Sing? No, um... No, I don't think so. Sorry. She, briefly, we weren't sure if it was just because of the pain or what, but she kept singing to, um our party as we were taking her back to town. She has no idea what you're talking about. Gotcha. What people do in their spare time when they're traveling is not of concern to me. Doctor, do you run across people like her who have such a high pain tolerance? Is that a like a religious meditative effect or... She shrugs. People have all sorts of different pain tolerances for all sorts of different reasons. She did have a significant amount of scarring. A lot of it, apparently, I would presume, was self-inflicted. It wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of ritual punishment that she was subscribing to, but it's not my business. Gotcha. Well, I believe that is all for us, then. We've got quite a journey to go today. We're going to head to the Abbey. Good luck in your travels. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank okay. you. So you exchange uh, payment and you uh, disappear. All right. Those of you headed to the box elder, you head over, you see two folks, two these two you know, drunken, hungover dudes collapsed outside, just leaning up against a post. One of them's sleeping. The other one's like trying his best he can to like button up a shirt that's just not quite buttoning. Yeah. And he looks up at you and he kind of holds his hand as if he's expecting some kind of some kind of coin. Um, and then the the door itself bursts open. You see a, a handful of people exit uh, going about their business and you can hear the chatter of people on the inside. You go through the doors, you open it up. It looks to be a fairly large room, a common room, several circular tables, uh, and a couple rectangular tables have been set a little bit longer, have been set out in haphazard fashion, nothing particularly organized. Uh, You see a lengthy bar off to the right. You see stairs off to the left. You see another room in the back, uh, and there's other types of tables in the back. You wonder exactly what those are, but it seems like a lot of people are just sitting around this common room. Any of them eating some kind of food for the morning? There's a couple empty seats here and there. I'll ask around. Does anyone know where Markov is? A couple people will look at you and shrug. No one really seems to want to answer. A couple people look around as if they're trying to help you find him and then shrug. You look around the room and you don't you don't currently see him. I'm sure he has like an office here somewhere that he stays. Uh, is there anyone that like works here? Yeah, there's people. There's a. There seems to be a, a woman that's behind the counter that's uh, kind of fixing up various plates, just like dried breads and dried meats and stuff, just throwing them on plates and bringing them out to different tables here and there. Sure, standard fare. At a restaurant or what is what's going on? You know, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It was how it was sold to you: a little bit of eating, a little bit of gambling, a little bit of this and that. 
So we'll go up to the, the saloon, bar, etc. We'll go up to the gal and ask her if we need a appointment to see Markov or She kinda of looks at you and laughs like Is he available around this time? She thinks about it for a moment. I suppose she looks around the room. I don't see him here. And then she just shuffles off. Excuse me. Excuse me. And then she brings a different table some food. Look back at Chovy. This is the right place, right? It is the right place. (laughs) Yeah, we saw him. Told us about it. Is there like an upper floor? There there are stairs going up. Let's go up. Check that place out. Yeah. It's clearly not on this floor. Okay. So as you start to go up the stairs, uh, you notice that there is some kind of cord that's roped off at the very top of the stairs that blocks passage forward. I mean, you could very easily step over top yeah. of it. I'm just saying it's, it's, it's clearly marking that like not anyone can go up there. And then you also see sitting uh, at the landing on that second floor is a fairly tall, angry-looking ogre. Toby, I think you got this. So look good. <laughs> I Good. wave over. Hey, can, can you let us in? He looks down. You're, you're calling over to the... <laughs> he looks down. Pay up front. I hand him a chunk of change. Pay up front. And he takes the change that you gave to him, and he puts it in his own pocket. <laughs> oh. So mark off whatever you gave to him, because he just took it from you. I didn't think I'd like, pay downstairs? You said pay up front. I just paid him. And then he points with his big meaty finger back down the stairs. Oh, I think that's the front front. Front desk. And I think it's at this point you guys probably start to hear some sounds coming from some of the doors. And you start to realize, oh, it's that kind of establishment. I don't think Longley understands yet. (laughs) No, I get it. Okay. Do you? I don't yeah. think Keith understands yet. I just don't want to say anything bad. <laughs> yeah, Keith's like, there's so it's many okay. things I want to say. It's all right. It's fine. Okay. Might be back later. Hey, big guy. <laughs> okay. Have you seen Marco? Yeah. He points downstairs somewhere. <laughs> of course. All right. Let's go find this guy. All right. So There's you, some rooms down there, right? Yeah, there's a back room. Um, so there's the, the opening front room off to the right. Then there's that long bar. There's a door that seems to go probably into a kitchen area um, behind the bar. You see, uh, you see a room that's passed like into the back of the building beyond that common area. Um, but it doesn't seem like there's anyone really going back there currently. Is there like an employees-only sign at all? No, it's just people seem to be satisfied with just sitting in the front tables. You get the sense, like, this is just the common room. It's morning. Like, this isn't probably a very common time for there to be, mm-hmm. like, gambling and big things going on right now. But you never know. It just seems it's, it's, it's kind of a morning, people are eating food type of thing. Don't overthink this. I think we are. I think it's too late for that. <laughs> yeah. right. uh, let's explore the back. Maybe yeah. it's back. Okay. We'll go to that back room. So all the while you guys are like, you guys go up. Just imagine. Just picture what's happened. You've it's come awkward. in. <laughs> you go to the bar. You ask for Markov. And the woman's like, yeah, sure. If you want to see him, you can see him wherever he is. Then you guys go upstairs. You give money to an ogre for no reason. <laughs> You come back downstairs. You ask a couple of people that are sitting around. Everyone's just sort of watching you. You're starting to get the feeling that people are laughing and chuckling at you. These green new people that are wandering around. And when you head into the back room, you notice that you start to see some of these tables. They look more like card and dice tables. Like they're kind of set up, but currently they're not. Um, they don't really seem to be in use with the exception of one. 
and you see a handful of people, four people sitting around. They're all playing cards of some kind. One of them is Markov Babbler. How close are we to them? Uh, 10 feet or so, off to the left. Can we have a quick private conversation? If you would like to walk back out into the common room. <laughs> uh, it's really hard to have a private conversation in a relatively busy well, I mean, saloon. Like, you know, kind of like turn around, you know? Sure. To, like, to talk to each other. In a sure, that's way. not going to look awkward. That's, but yeah, yeah, totally go ahead. <laughs> 10 feet away from him, everyone. Okay, huddle, huddle, quick huddle. Quick huddle, everybody. <laughs> All right, guys. This is the game plan. I'm just joking. <laughs> start, <laughs> start drawing plays in the sand. <laughs> okay, you're going to go long, Bear. You're going to go short, Chovy. All right. All right, so we're going we gonna to say anything about, you know, the goods? Maybe not directly. Mm-hmm. Look, I'm not good at any of this. Espionage. Yeah, I don't even know if that's the right word. And you guys have any experience with this? I'm a good person. No, oh, man, I just do manual labor. You know me. God, would not fit it to be up here. Joby? Yeah, we could just join him for a game. Maybe uh, you're a rat catcher. Fun. I'm sure you've done some shady stuff. By shady, you mean catch rats? I don't think so. In the shade? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dude. We All can right. just join their game and have a little chat, see what's up. Okay, okay. We'll be cash. We'll be casual. So when you guys turn around, half the table's looking at you. Very strangely. And you see that one of the people who's looking at you is Markov, who's got the biggest grin in this table, because he's met you and he knows you guys are super green, and he just looks at you and he's just, he's just laughing. Other people at the table, there's another fairly large ogre... Uh, there's also a, uh, a small halfling that's sitting right next to the ogre, and then you see what looks to be another humanoid woman that's uh, sitting at the same table. So Is uh, cards like a thing that we would have us... Like, what would that be? Like, would we know it's how gambling. to play it? There's a, there's a, a gambling skill. Gambling skill so. Oh, gambling. Yeah, Forget about that skill. Yeah. I don't... When you ask about joining the game, they just say, mm, sorry, private game. Come back later. Gotcha. Maybe next tables time. Tables will be open. Is there something I can do for you? Oh, we'd love to talk to you. Talk to me. Oh. If I have to weigh between taking these fine folks' money and talking to you <laughs> lot, I have to say, one of those sounds enticing, the other not so much. Yeah, I can agree. Talking to us is pretty enticing. <laughs> <laughs> you are the funny one. <laughs> I remember. Okay, deal me out for a hand or two, and he, he gets up and uh, he joins you. What can I do for you? Well, you know... Looks, looks like he's been up all night, by the way. He looks, he looks like he hasn't slept. Uh, we just came in the frontier, and we know how dangerous it is. And yes, we've, we, we spoke yesterday. Yeah. I very much remember seeing you coming off the ferry. Well, you know, I'm a small guy. I need bodyguards here, these two big fellas. But I don't think that's enough protection up in these parts. Do you know a way that can be more protection? I'm not quite sure what you're asking me. Are you asking for mercenary work, or...? He, looks, he, he genuinely looks confused. <laughs> say maybe weapons? Head over to Trader's Row. I'm sure Blacksmith over there, too. Or Fletcher, maybe. They sell some basic weaponry. Where do they get their weapons from? They make them there, or...? Yes, they craft them, I believe. We have... You guys don't import weapons? Don't believe so. Maybe the Wardens might, but... No. When the Wardens... We're quite self-sufficient up here, save for some specific sundries and such. When the Wardens uh, bring up weaponry and stuff like that, 
Is it like uh, on the hush and hush? You know what I'm saying? I do not know what you're saying. Like the government here? It's, a, it's all regulated, right? The rules uh, and... I Again, gentlemen, I... It's an open carry state here. <laughs> if I see we... Uh, yes, you're welcome to have weaponry if you're in the town. Those still in the prison, of course, are not allowed weaponry. But if you've been given your freedom to, to be within the town's proper, you're like any other citizen of the monarchy you can carry, of course. Different establishments might have particular rules for what you can bring in or not. I have no problem whatsoever. And he shows he's got this little, this nice little like, rapier or something sitting sitting in the corner by where he was sitting points back mm. to it let's put about something that's a little more more uh, range like I said you can, you can have anything wander I very rarely get into a position where I need to use such things and if such a situation were to befall itself I have people who will do that task for me instead I must say mm. um, I'm quite tired uh in a wee bit in the hole and very confused as to what this conversation is about. Alright, let me just give it to you straight. How about guns? Uh, I do not have guns. No, we can't... I don't know of anyone here. Uh, some of the wardens might have some. Uh, I'm well aware that the governor in his retinue carry rifles and the like. Um, and other than that, it's whatever people bring yeah, with them. Uh, I don't think we have a gunsmith or anything. Perhaps one of the blacksmiths could fashion one for you, I'm sure. It's also very difficult to sustain gunpowder. Yeah, We do have a saltpeter mine, but it is very carefully controlled by the crown. What if I told you they were bringing guns in? Who is they? heard of a Plumhawk company. We found some crates of theirs and they're bringing them in. Again, I'm at a loss. If they are bringing in, I... That is certainly their business. I suppose they have some sort of reason for this. Okay. I, I, I'm just curious. What did you expect to happen in this conversation? You just seem the type of guy who knows, you know, wants to do something fun. I mean, I was... I do. I was... Or- before you arrived, I was definitely enjoying myself, despite being in the hole. But now, the headache that had been growing, that I thought was just from having too much too much moonshine throughout the evening, is more from your company. I don't... If you are concerned, go speak with someone. Go speak with Lieutenant Wilhelms, or... I guess we got the wrong impression of you. You thought this would be something you might be interested in. Very clearly, you're not the right guy for this. I, I am sorry to disappoint. I think he thinks that maybe you'd know um, like what kind of party would be importing these kind of goods. Oh, I see. Like, any shady But you said here? it was this company. But not really. Uh, oh, so it's not the company. Gentlemen, oh, please. Again, I have not slept for quite some time. You said to speak plainly, but that is not at all what you're doing. We know what a cache of a bunch of guns are. That's wonderful. And you're not interested in any of that? It's good to know. Can, gentlemen, um, I am flattered that you would think of me um, for whatever this is, 
but I'm in a loss as to how I can help you. So unless there's something else, um, you're welcome to take advantage of the, the bar, the, the kitchen. Uh, the tables will be open afternoon. Uh, upstairs is always open, of course. Oh, understood. Okay. Uh, how about, I don't think we got to know what happens if you try to break the curfew. Has anyone said anything about that? Curfew? Um, yes. Uh, do you mean coming in? If you try and leave or enter. They, the if they catch you, uh, I think you're forced to do a few weeks worth of labor or something like that. Is it that serious? Uh, what are they trying to do? I think it's just the number of wardens compared to the number of individuals within the town is proportionately uncomfortable for them. And so it's just their way of enforcing some code of control. And honestly, I, I believe the, uh, the law is passed down from the governor. I see. Thanks for your time, Marco. We just thought you'd like to know what's going on, and I'm right. sure we'll be back another time to play some games. Maybe you can join us for one. Sounds delightful. And he takes his customary bow, and he heads back to his table. I gotta just go head out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So after a little while, you guys meet back up on the street. Uh, it looks like you're all healed up. I'm feeling a little bit better. I will hopefully find someone in the Abbey who can do something similar tomorrow, and then I will be good to go. All right. Well, we can just, uh, let's go ahead back to Laudanum's. Wait, Laudanum? Yeah, it's definitely Laudanum. Oh, <laughs> His parents Laudanum? named him after a drug. Loudon. 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 There we go. Yeah, let's, let's go. go let's get the cart, and then we'll okay. we'll head over to the Abbey. Okay. So you head back over. I uh, start getting your, your horse back hitched up to the cart. Um, you see Loudon in the back. He seems to be working away at his garden. He waves to you all. And says, Are you all leaving so, so soon? Uh, we're going to go visit the Abbey. Oh, well, wonderful. I didn't take you all for worshippers, but... We ran into some pilgrimers on the um, a nice family when we were on the boat, so we just wanted to go visit them. Excellent. Uh, you know the way. Yes, uh, it's to the to the west, correct? Yeah, follow the coastline, you'll yeah. eventually get there. Excellent. If you're, actually, if you wouldn't mind, if you're heading out of town, mm -hmm. um, I wonder if I might beg of you a favor. Of course. Um, I'll be happy to put you up for another night or two free of charge. Uh, but I have, um, I have a, bag of sundries that are due a former former tenants of mine uh, over at the Pearson farm and I was just hoping perhaps you could you could deliver it uh, is relatively on your way as you clear the lake if you just bear a little bit northeast of me you'll eventually see their land it's a fairly large farmstead um, and if and if you wouldn't if it's possible, I think your cot could manage. They they do owe me a couple of sacks of turnips and, and potatoes, especially potatoes. The last, the last batch they gave us was half rotten. The, the goat wouldn't even eat them, so... Yeah, we could uh, manage that. We got room on our cart. It's, it's, it's sure. rare to have good, kind people. 
Oh, we're just returning the favor. Let us stay here, um, like without. I'm well acquainted with this kind of errand. I I very much appreciate it. Um, I'll go fetch them and I'll meet you out front. And so, he goes and gets some. Gets his fairly big sack. It's kind of heavy, wrapped up tight, tied tied into a knot. Just a big rucksack. Uh, you know, something that several several pounds is probably a good. You pick it up, carry. It's probably about fifty pounds or so. Pick it up, drop it into the cart. And uh, yeah, it's no problem. It's a little bit awkward. There's some stuff in it. You can hear things clinking around and moving around in the inside, so you don't know what it might be. Um, but uh, guns. Yes, totally. <laughs> it's totally guns. Got it. Clue number two. Uh, no, uh, you don't know. You're welcome to open it, but uh, yeah, that's the case. And so you guys are going to head out. Yes. All right. So you start heading westward out the gates of Verdum, uh, which are wide open at this time of day. You make your way out onto a road the road itself is partially cobblestone you see it's not the greatest of craftsmanship and it only remains cobblestone for a short while outside the gates of verdum before it transitions into just kind of hard caked earth uh and as you continue to travel um west northwesternly you pass by a few people along the way again no one i mean some people wait but most times people just mind their own business uh, on your right to the north uh, is a fairly large lake that extends as far as you can see. Um, and then off to the off to your left, which is sort of west-southwesternly, uh, you are on a ridgeline that is slowly descending as if it's not, uh, as if, you know, the, the island's kind of leveling out a bit, or the, the territory's kind of leveling out a bit the further northward you go. Um, Eventually, the the road itself meanders a bit away from the coast and stays a little bit more, hugging a little bit more closely to the lake itself. Um, And you see some farmland start to open up both to the west and to the east of the actual road as it curves and starts heading in a northwardly direction. Um, After about, uh, I would say about an hour and a half of, of travel, you've fully come around this lake and you can see what looks to be a fairly large uh, farm that has some overgrown rows of some kind of plant. You're not entirely sure what. There's no clear pathway in. You don't really see any kind of road that darts off. But at a certain point, as you're looking looking for any sort of signage that might indicate this is where you need to be, you do notice that in the distance there looks to be kind of a hovel that has been built somewhere about a half a mile or so off the road and you can see in the distance pull the cart off and start traveling that direction um as you get closer you notice that a cart very similar to your own is resting without its its horse without its oxen on the ground uh it's got a box some sort of crate in the back that's just sitting there the lids partially slid off you see uh you don't see any signs of smoke coming out of what looks to be a brick chimney so as you look around you don't see anyone immediately in the area or in the fields uh the there's grass and weeds slightly overgrown you see a small kind of sandbox in a way uh it's just like a like a bunch of sand with various blocks and things maybe somewhere where the where a child plays something like that no one seems to be in it it's like an overturned bucket that partially rusted um but yeah, you don't you don't see anyone outside immediately. Um, you see behind the 
behind this this hovel, which is single story. Uh, it's it's not very impressive. It's just a series of shacks kind of slammed together. And then you can see behind it, there is another building. Looks to be a, maybe a barn of some kind, uh, about thirty yards away from the house uh, on the the northern side. And you can see that there is additional crops on the other side. There's probably a couple. I mean, looking at the in terms of the size of this this plot of land, it has to be big enough for maybe a family farm, but maybe not like enormous. It's hard to really tell. In the far distance, you see a copse of trees uh, off to the east to the northeast, and then you can see. You know, it's a very bright day. You can see the the, gi- the gigantic mountains, the Felrock Mountains, hanging out in the distance. Let's see if anybody's home. Okay. You go up to the door with a knock on it. As you as you knock on the door, it does that classic creak. <laughs> so it opens up as if it was already already unlatched. Currently, I'll sneak on in. Sneak. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you you step in. Uh, Jovi, what are you doing? Was home. You normally well, announce just, yourself. Yeah. Not just like walk in a door that maybe was accidentally left open. That's very rude. Hey, Sophia's just going to yell. Sophia's just going to yell. Anybody home? Okay. You step in and you're, you're two, three feet into uh, into the actual house and everyone behind is just shouting at you or whispering at you. Uh, but there is no, there's no response. Um, looking around, uh, you can see that there seems to be a small kitchen area to the right, and then to the left, there seems to be more of a living area. So you can see what looks to be a chimney, fireplace, uh, some kind of some kind of carpeted or rugged area on the ground where you can see uh, some like there's a little looks to be like some sort of sketchbook that has been left on the ground, and there's some some like charcoal chunks of charcoal that maybe somebody was drawing with. Uh, and then you can see a curtain has been drawn and seems to be covering a set of back rooms. Uh, you see that the kitchen area, there have been some plates that have been laid out. You see bugs flying around them. There's still food, in the, food on them. Doesn't look like anyone's around. There's things left around. So we assume this must be the Pearson farm by where we are? Matches the description. Um, yeah, he told you just to go past the lake and hang a right, and eventually you'll hit it, and that's honestly what you guys did. He says you can't miss it, and so it was, it was not hard. This again, this was not. This is very obvious. Check out the cart. Maybe that crate has like the turnips in that he was expecting. So yeah, you go back over and you take a look in the back of the crate or the back of the cart. The crate's already like the top lid is, is already slid away, and you can see that inside there appear to be uh, a series of vegetables, like root vegetables, to be like. Dirty potatoes, dirty turnips. And you start going through them, and you realize that some of these are rotten. Some of them seem to be okay. Some of them are rotten. It's probably... They've been left out for a while? Uh, yeah, you would imagine. I mean, looking at yeah, looking at them, they it's hard to hard to deduce how long, but, I mean, it, looking at the crate more than anything, crate seems to have got some wear and tear to it. Like it's been faded in the sun, maybe. Maybe it's been sitting out here for a few days. I'll let them know that this stuff's been sitting out here a while. I'm going to go check around out back, around the hovel area. Mm-hmm. I'll go with If there's them. any other uh, places of note to look for. So as you move around the back side of the house, uh, you notice there's some kind of wheelbarrow. Uh, 
contraption on the ground, turned upside down. Um, the wheel seems to be broken. Uh, one of the handles has been broken, and you can see the broken part of the handle on the ground. Um, you can, in terms of other, you see there's a clothesline uh, that has some clothes that are on it that are still flapping around in the breeze. Big sheet that has been spread apart. Uh, just kind of like a grayish, whitish, off-white color. You said there's like a barn? Yeah, there's a barn about 30 yards or so north of the uh, north of the house. Do you think we should go look at the barn? Mm, yeah. I'm not seeing anybody. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you head in the direction of the barn, um, and there's a double set of doors on the smaller of the rectangular sides. You go up to it, and much like the front door of the house, it's a little bit of a jar. One of the, one of the two doors is in place, but the other one is creeping a little bit further outward. It's a very heavy door, but it doesn't move all that much, but you do see that every now and then just sort of moves ever so slightly. Again, we'll Hello? knock on it call out. Is there anyone there? And you listen back for a response and nothing comes. Stick my head in and see if I can say anything. Okay, so you, you peek your head in and it's dark in here. Um, there are some light that's coming through the, the seams between the various planks of the wooden walls. Uh, but overall, it's, it's, a, it's sort of a difficult difficult to view it looks like there is a loft uh, a loft area and there's a seems to be some sort of ladder that goes up to the top um, there also seems to be room on the left and right like stable area for maybe some like a dairy cow maybe or a horse or you're not really sure some sort of work animal but there's no animals in there uh, none that you see immediately and, you, and as you listen you can go ahead and go ahead and roll an eavesdrop test for me um, standard it's fine uh, I needed a 42 and I rolled a 58. Okay. Uh, you can always use a fortune point if you want to reroll. Sure. Okay. Just go ahead and put it in mine. Thank you. You can just leave them next to each other. It's all good. Thank you. This time it's a 17. Okay. Um, you do hear, you do hear movement. You hear something moving about as if there, there's, but you can't see anything. The stables themselves are a couple feet tall. Like you can see walls between them, and then there's ropes along the front, um, but you can't see over top of the walls. You certainly don't see, like a, a horse, you would probably see the top of their back or their head sticking out, maybe a cow as well. But there could be smaller animals in here, you never know, um, or maybe you know a calf or, or something like that. But you hear movement on like the straw, you can hear like little things shuffling, you know, somewhere, but you can't see anything. Uh, and I'll back up a little bit and open the door the rest of the way and see if I can get some more light. So yeah, the light comes in, and then I would say you can even hear that that sound of the straw getting moved around is suddenly even more is even louder at that point. But you don't see anything. Nothing rushes out into the middle. Okay. I just hear rustling. I don't see anything. Mm. Sophia will go in. Okay, you'll go right inside. Is it and still dark in there? Or is there any light? There's light. Out? No light coming. Oh, when, okay. when when Urban opened the door, it flood light into the bottom level. So yeah, I'll go in. So you definitely like that middle, the middle walkway between. So on the, on the right hand side, there's a handful of like slots for stables for for animals. On the left hand side, same thing. Then straight ahead, 
there's a ladder that goes up to a loft. So you can't actually see the loft from down here. You can't necessarily see directly into like each individual stable, but you can see that open landing area and the like it's clear as day. You go in and you can see that there's there's like a pitchfork that seems to be hanging on the wall, sh you know, shovel, spade, etc. So it's like it's got your usual types of tools that you would expect to see. Um, it's kind of a bad odor in here. Um, also not the most uncommon thing in the world. Stables have a tendency to be a little bit rancid, but it certainly smells, smells quite terrible. Um, you look immediately to your left as you walk in and you see an empty stable to your left and empty, empty stable to your right. And you notice that both of them, uh, the ropes that, that are tied across each of the other stables themselves. These seem to have been cut or torn or ripped apart in some way and they just are flopped to the ground or maybe they were gnawed through. You're not entirely sure how. It's not like a clean cut, like with the blade, that's kind of rough. I mean, looking really close, it looks, it's frayed. Uh, so it definitely looks frayed. So it's possible it could have been a blade, like they would have, but it would have been like sawing. Yeah. It wouldn't have been like one quick little thing because these are fairly thick ropes. Oh, okay. If there is a ladder that goes up, Sophia will take that. Okay. So you start climbing up the ladder. Uh, and when you look up top, it looks like this seems to be a hayloft, right? And so you see all sorts of dried, some sort of not entirely sure. You're not really a farm person, but some kind of dried vegetation that seems to be in chunks. Um, you look around, you don't see any movement of anything. Does that vantage point provide any further insight into anything else? Roll an awareness test. So as you're looking, uh, as you're looking down, um, you, you see Erwin and I think it's, it was Erwin and, and Bear that were inside, right? Yeah. Yeah. See Erwin and Bear, they're peeking, like Bear's probably kneeling down, taking a closer look at the rope. Mm -hmm. Erwin, what would you say you're doing? I would just be like looking and seeing if I see any like tracks or anything of animals leaving. Okay. Um, why don't you go ahead then and give me... We'll just do an awareness test. Okay. Uh, just give me an awareness test, standard. 21, I needed a 42. Okay, so I would say that you do notice that there appears to be well-trodden path coming out of the barn. Uh, hard to distinguish exactly whether those were people yeah. feet, animal feet. You're not entirely sure. Um, but Sophia, as you see, as you're looking down and you see, you see Bear kneeling carefully looking at the end of this rope you see Irwin kneeling kind of putting his fingertips to the ground and swiping away as some of the the various straw that's on the ground trying to figure out like the different paths you see something moving up from behind them out from one of the stables that are a little bit further in shadow still this large grouping of creatures. Look out, look out behind. And you realize right as they get up to turn around that there's a dozen or more rats of fairly decent size that have begun to swarm into the light in the middle of the barn. Jeff here, just want to say 
thank you once again for listening to episode number 10 of the Adventures in Lollygagging podcast. How do we ever make 10? Uh, it's a miracle. Anyway, no big announcements yet this week, so I'll make this quick. We need reviews. We need subs. So head over to Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. Drop us a note, a few stars. Do the same thing over at Stitcher if you can, and basically anywhere else you're willing to review us. And don't forget that you can find us online at thelollygaggers.com and on Twitter at lollygaggerco. And that's it. Uh, Emily's on deck this week for the coda. It's a wee little story for a short stack of pancakes. Colda, the pugilist at work. Dragging herself along the Thorncoast Road, the village of Bystock unfolding before her, Emily knew she smells wretched. It has been days since she last ate, even longer since she bathed, and she couldn't say the last time she had coin in her pocket. Finding, and more importantly, holding on to, Honest work was difficult when one spends their whole life in and around the Rhinian army. When fighting and pulverizing orcs is all a person knows, civilized life, with all its necessary nuances, is like a foreign language. Mother always reminded Emily that she wasn't like other girls. She wasn't quiet and demure, but rather quick to anger. Like your father, her mother would say. Her father... Emily's parents had always wanted more. More wealth, more renown, more children. A son. They were distant in their disappointment, and Emily just wanted their attention. Negative or otherwise, she just wanted to be seen. It was a need that marked her for most of her life. Right now, however, with the uneven cobblestone of bystock numbing her feet, her needs are far more tangible. A comfortable stool at a shabby little bar, surely located at the village center, and if not there, next to the docks. Long past desperation, Emily could no longer feel the agony of her stomach digesting itself. Instinctively, she grabs for her hand, the one they chopped off, the one they crudely cauterized and then cast in iron. That was the last time desperation had felt so potent, so full. Snapping out of the momentary self-pity, she adjusts the straps on her damaged hand, pinches her cheeks, and then follows a larger man into the village pub. Huskier men, like this one, were always too focused on adjusting their bellies rather than minding their coin purses. Emily stumbles into him, a practice maneuver, apologizing profusely as she writes herself stashing a few brass pennies into her pocket. "'You all right there, lass?' The man's voice booms as he reaches out to steady her. Emma nods, smiling sheepishly. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should pay more attention to where I'm going. The man grins. Ah, no need to apologize. Please, let me get you a drink. You look like your skin and bone. Fingering the coins in her pocket, Emma continues to smile as she follows the man to the bar. Over his shoulder, he asks, So what brings you to town? can't say I've met you before. My da likes to send me out and find new places to put some bets, as Mama would surely skin him head to toe if she knew he was still betting. The man looks down at Emily, pity spreading across his face. She knows she's small and probably quite a sight. Reaching forward, the man ruffles her hair a bit before sliding her a tankard of ale and brusquely telling her, 
Drink this and warm up. You still shivering. Gratefully, she carefully picks it up and forces herself to drink slow to avoid vomiting it all back up. The large man shares a few quiet words with the bartender before resuming his attention on her. So, you said your pa sent you all the way out here to find somewhere to gamble? Emma nods. Yeah, Da likes fighting rings and I have a good memory. I can spin a decent tale and it's always best when I win some money from the fights. He likes that part best. Taking a long drink of his own ale, the man nods thoughtfully before letting loose a full-bodied laugh. <laughs> Where are me manners? The name is Ian Sullivan. Offering her left hand for a handshake, Emma smiles. Lily Edwards. Pleased to meet you, little Lily. You're as pretty as a flower, my wife would say. Emma smiles and quietly thanks him before taking another swig of her drink. A pretty barwoman soon shuffles over and gives Ian an exasperated but not unfriendly look. I leave you alone for half an hour and you've already found yourself another little thing. She places a pair of large plates on the bar, offering Emily a wink and Ian another smooch on the cheek. That's me wife right there, Ian says, his chest swelling with pride and contentment. If I had a guess, I'd say you haven't eaten in days. Don't worry, her cooking will warm you right up. Emma Lee slows down a little, enough to mutter agreement. Growing quiet, Ian turns to his own plate and leaves Emily to eat. When he was done with his plate, he leaves enough coin on the counter for both of their dishes, and Emma tries not to wince in remorse at the sight. Thank you. Dot only thought to give me enough for the bets. Trying to not scowl, Ian throws an arm over her shoulder and steers Emily to the back of the establishment. Now... I don't normally tell people this, but Grook is the main guy fighting tonight, he says while they walk. There's a few smaller fights beforehand, qualifiers, you can say. The last guy to fight that ogre almost died, so best to keep your money on Grook. Emma smiles up at him. Thanks, but my father only ever bets on one person, and as thank you, I'll tell you who, and hopefully that will help cover my costs for the night. Ian stops more abruptly than he intended, nearly stumbling into those in line at the butter's table. Curiosity spreads across his face. All right, I'll bite. Who? Emma Lee slides over to the table, making her mark on the fighter's list and dropping her pennies in front of the woman taking bets. The woman pauses for a moment, her confusion likely as great as Ian's, before taking Emma Lee's coins and muttering, It's your funeral, love. Grook's fighting tonight. After she finishes counting the coins, noting the total in her ledger, she says to Ian, You betting tonight? How much on Grook? Ian takes a long look at Emily, all manner of contradictory thoughts likely wafting through his head. With a shrug, he drops a handful of coins on the butter's table, a few of them clearly silver. Looks like I'm betting on a little lady tonight. Always with the pretty faces, the woman says, laughing. I'll enjoy taking this from you once Grook makes her none so pretty anymore. Emma squares her shoulders with a grin, a wild look coming to her eyes. <laughs> I can't wait for him to try. <laughs>